0: Listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the June 23rd, 2023 Friday reading of the Arc Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. Today we will be reading the following main articles. Open house and ribbon cutting for the first for sale units to hit the market through Salida's Inclusionary Housing Program, written by Jan Wondra. New Scott trial set to commence July 10th, written by Jan Wondra. 41-year-old man dies while inner tubing on the Arkansas River near Whitewater Park, written by August Toves and Colorado Republicans getting set to challenge open primaries, written by Arc Valley Voice staff. FibArc Downriver Race competitors hit the high water with enthusiasm, grit, written by Daniel Smith, and following up with miscellaneous articles. We begin with the first article, Open House and Ribbon Cutting, for the first for-sale units to hit the market through Salida's Inclusionary Housing Program, This posted by Jan Wondra. The City of Salida, in collaboration with the Chafee Housing Authority, is hosting an open house and ribbon-cutting celebrating the first deed-restricted homes, affordable for members of the local workforce, to be sold via the City's Inclusionary Housing Program. The open house and a ribbon cutting are set for 12 noon to 3 p.m. Friday, June 23rd at the new residences at 711 and 713 Holman Court in Salida. We are thrilled to see the city's inclusionary housing policy efforts bearing fruit in the form of deed-restricted workforce housing in this project as well as others around town, said Salida Community Development Director Bill Almquist. Our housing crisis cannot be solved overnight, but we are encouraged that private development and local government can help provide permanent affordability for low- and middle-income residents, whether in the form of rental apartments or for-sale units such as these. Deed restrictions are stipulations written into a property's deed or recorded as a restrictive covenant that outline conditions and restrictions for the property. Deed restrictions ensure that the property stays affordable for working families and individuals. The deed restrictions in the City of Salida are designed to further the goals of affordable and inclusionary housing purchase opportunities for our Chafee County workforce. The Chafee Housing Authority will manage the home buyer application and annual compliance process for up to 60 deed-restricted affordable homes currently in the pipeline. These are being developed through the City's Inclusionary Housing Program over the next couple of years, with more to come after that. Mark Lee and David LaRochelle developed the Holman Court neighborhood west of Holman Avenue, located between the Salida Aquatic Center pool, the dog park, and the bike path. The Salida Inclusionary Zoning Program is a wonderful home ownership opportunity for those individuals that qualify, said Lee. We are excited to complete and offer the first units for this program and look forward to the program's future success for the City of Salida. Both the City of Salida and the Chafee Housing Authority have commented that Lee and La Rochelle have gone above and beyond the City's minimum requirements by building not one, but two affordable homes in this neighborhood. For those who would like to learn more about the two deed-restricted affordable homes located at 711 and 713 Holman Court that are on the market, go to the Chafee Housing Authority's website at https://chafeehousingauthority.org/deedrestrictions, or stop by the open house between 12 noon and 3 p.m. on Friday, June 23rd. That story, open house and ribbon-cutting for the first four sale units to hit the market through Salida's inclusionary housing program. And next up, New Scott trial set to commence July 10th, this posted by Jan Wondra. While there are apparently some backroom negotiations going on, as of this past week, Pretrial motions hearings have been proceeding to prepare for the retrial on sexual assault charges of Herbert Lucas Scott. The next plea hearing is set for 10:30 AM Monday, July 3rd in the Chafee County Judicial Center. Scott is being represented by a public defender. Last year, An earlier trial on the first of what was described as dozens of sexual assault charges on various girls ended in a hung jury, resulting in District 11 Judge Patrick Murphy declaring a mistrial. Shortly after that, Scott's defense attorney Ernie Marquez announced that he would be unable to mount a defense for Scott against such numerous charges and left the case. At that time, Scott declared that he was unable to afford another private attorney and asked for a court-appointed defender. The retrial is still set to begin at 8 a.m. Monday, July 10th in the 11th Judicial Court in Salida, unless Scott's legal defense strikes a plea deal. That story knew Scott trial set to commence July 10th. And continuing in the news, 41-year-old man dies while inner tubing on the Arkansas River near Whitewater Park, this posted by August Toves. A 41-year-old man died on Friday, June 16th, while inner tubing in the Arkansas River near Whitewater Park in Buena Vista's South Main neighborhood, according to Colorado Parks and Wildlife, CPW. His name has not yet been released. Per CPW, at the time of the incident, it was the 11th water-related death in the state of Colorado in the year 2023. However, following the fatal commercial boating accident in Royal Gorge on Monday, June 19th, the total of water-related deaths for the year is now up to 12. According to Fire Chief Robert Bertram of Chaffee County Fire Rescue, CCFR, a distress call came in at 2.45 in the afternoon. In response, personnel from CCFR, Chaffee County Emergency Medical Services, EMS, Chaffee County Sheriff's Office, and CPW's Arkansas Headwaters Recreation Area, AHRA Rangers, mobilized to rescue the individual. Wilderness Aware Rafting, a rafting guide corporation based in Johnson Village, was able to intercept the victim as he floated downriver, Wilderness Aware President Brian Ellis confirmed. By attaching a rope to a staff member who entered the river, Wilderness Aware employees successfully pulled the victim ashore at their river access point. All river guides at Wilderness Aware with two or more years of experience are Swiftwater Rescue Certified, according to Ellis. The victim became unresponsive to riverside spotters just upriver from a significant rapid known as Silver Bullet, which features a significant drop over a series of three steps, said Captain Ben Brack of CCFR. By the time he was intercepted at the Wilderness Aware put-in, the victim was floating face down. It's a pretty impressive mutual aid effort, said Brack, alluding to the coalition of organizations which banded together in their attempt to save the victim. The victim was pronounced dead at the scene of the rescue after EMS personnel attempted resuscitation, according to AHRA Park Manager Tom Waters. Eyewitnesses at Whitewater Park said that the victim was struggling to swim ashore after falling from his inner tube, where he was seen undergoing hydraulics and struggling to stay afloat, according to a press release from CPW. The victim was wearing a properly fitted personal flotation device and a wetsuit, according to the press release, Buena Vista Chief of Police Dean Morgan also confirmed the victim was not wearing a helmet at the time of his recovery. The water is very fast, very cold, especially when water is high, said Ellis. At 2.30 p.m. just before the accident occurred, the U.S. Geological Survey, USGS, measured the stream flow of the river near Nathrop, Colorado, at 2,240 cubic feet per second, significantly higher than the median stream flow of 1,940 cubic feet per second. The USGS has been monitoring stream flow data at this point for 52 years. The Arkansas River is a dangerous river, warned Chief Bertram, echoing sentiments expressed by Ellis and Captain Brack. We'll do our best, Brack said, but we urge visitors to take the Arkansas River seriously. That story, 41-year-old man dies while inner tubing on the Arkansas River near Whitewater Park. And next up, Colorado Republicans getting set to challenge open primaries. This posted by Arc Valley Voice staff. At least one of the state's political parties is not happy with Colorado's open primary system, which allows registered, unaffiliated voters to vote in the state party primaries of both the Republican and Democratic parties. Now Republicans appear poised to take on the system by suing the state of Colorado. The Republican State Central Committee voted to challenge the open primary in federal court, and the executive board also voted to advance a lawsuit. This comes only a few months after they elected themselves a wartime leader, Dave Williams, an election denier, a state chair. It's no secret that despite the overwhelming majority, near unanimous, in fact, of our Republican state central committee voting to officially pursue a lawsuit against the unconstitutional open primary two years ago, the past administration and chairwoman didn't make this critical effort a priority, wrote Colorado Republican Chair Dave Williams in a message to the state's Republicans. The party needs funding to proceed with the lawsuit, and Williams confirms that an actual bank account has been created to accept funds for those who want to be part of the effort to overturn the state's primary setup. An independent oversight committee chaired by former state Senator Kevin Lundberg will monitor it. Republicans should choose Republican candidates, writes Williams. That should be a self-evident statement, but in Colorado it is not true. In 2022, more than twice as many unaffiliated voters received a Republican ballot in the primary than registered Republicans, and nearly 40 percent of those who voted in the Republican primary were not registered Republicans. While Republicans refer to this as an upside-down election policy, state voters who approved the open primary system in 2016 appear to like it just fine. The arrangement, which permits unaffiliated voters to vote in a party primary, is based on the logic that allowing unaffiliated voters a say would result in more moderate candidates that would fare better in the statewide elections. Williams asserts without proof that it is the new primary rules that have resulted in a significant drop in Colorado Republican membership. In fact, Williams calls the results devastating to Colorado Republicans, blaming the primary setup for a broke economy, hard to see with unemployment hovering just a bit more than 2 percent, and a woke world. Over the past two decades, Republicans have steadily lost registered voters in Colorado, The trend got worse after Trump took office. By January 2022, registered Republicans declined to 24.2 percent of registered voters, down from 31.1 percent in January 2016. The 2022 election cycle only intensified the loss of political power. It is also true that the Colorado voters appear to have voted for Democratic Party control there are no statewide Republican elected officials. The legislature has the least number of Republicans in 80 years, and the number of Republican county officials is dropping, says Williams. Williams says people should know that not only has the open primary increased the cost of primary elections for counties and candidates, but that now primary candidates have to do more marketing to a broader audience. Not only that, But according to Williams, in 2000, the U.S. Supreme Court's Jones decision declared that a political party cannot be forced into an open primary system because it violates the citizens' constitutional freedom of association. While the Republican State Central Committee has voted to challenge the open primary in federal court, and the party's executive board has voted to move forward with this lawsuit, the next challenge is, of course, money. Williams is seeking donations, non-tax deductible, but this effort doesn't count toward any member's political contribution limit because they aren't focused on any single candidate. That story, Colorado Republicans getting set to challenge open primaries. Also in the news, FIBARC downriver race competitors hit the high water with enthusiasm, grit. This posted by Daniel Smith. The 75th anniversary of what is billed as one of the country's premier whitewater competitions, FIB-ARC, first in boating on the Arkansas, saw high rapid water and equally high levels of competition. The downriver races from the long-standing traditional marathon 26-mile race to the Browns' Canyon heavy half of about 14 miles to an intermediate race saw paddlers pulling hard, trying to edge out the competition and win, sometimes by margins not much more than a minute. In the marathon race, Timothy Coonan in a long wave hopper came in with a finish of 2 hours, 14 minutes, 47 seconds. Paul Byers, also in a long wave hopper, finished just over a minute later, two hours, 15 minutes, and 57 seconds. Townsend Besant took a close third with a time of two hours, 16 minutes. The Browns Canyon heavy half was won by Greg Taft in 1 hour, 29 minutes and 12 seconds, followed by Michael Smith at 1 hour, 33 minutes and 1 second, and Ray Vanderpoel at 1 hour, 17 minutes and 31 seconds, all three paddled longboats. The intermediate race was won by J.D. Anderson, finishing under an hour at 56 minutes, 23 seconds. Natalia Gray was second at 58 minutes, 29 seconds. Third was John Pineyard at 1 hour, 1 minute, and 36 seconds, all paddled longboats. The novice Downriver race was canceled this year. The rest of the results are as follows. Marathon Race Kevin Fitch 2 hours 18 minutes 44 seconds Tim Kennedy 2 hours 20 minutes 3 seconds Jeremiah Williams 2 hours 20 minutes 13 seconds Luke Irvine 2 hours 20 minutes 46 seconds Bo Plots. 2 hours, 22 minutes, 42 seconds. Swam Jordan, 2 hours, 23 minutes, 29 seconds. Nick Najawan, 2 hours, 26 minutes, 26 seconds. Mark Staszko. 2 hours, 28 minutes, 37 seconds. Kartik Raghavan, 2 hours, 30 minutes, 5 seconds. Amy St. Andre, 2 hours, 31 minutes, 34 seconds. Erin Williams, 3 hours, 15 minutes, 46 seconds, and Janice Newberry, 3 hours, 15 minutes and 54 seconds. Raft finishers, Nick Joranby, 2 hours, 40 minutes, 11 seconds. Errico Montenegro, 2 hours, 40 minutes, 21 seconds. Mike Wagner, 2 hours, 47 minutes, 52 seconds. Jason Breyer, 2 hours, 20 minutes, 43 seconds. Arc Aces, 2 hours, 51 minutes, 21 seconds. The Browns Canyon heavy half, Ray Vanderpoel, 1 hour, 17 minutes, 31 seconds. Gavin Richardson, 1 hour, 17 minutes, 51 seconds. Greg Taft, 1 hour, 29 minutes, 12 seconds. And Michael Smith, 1 hour, 33 minutes and 1 second. Raft finishers, Keegan Lape, Raft, 2 hours, 20 minutes. Connor McLeod, Raft, 2 hours, 20 minutes. The intermediate race Olivia Spencer, 1 hour, 2 minutes, 34 seconds. Dan Raymond, 1 hour, 3 minutes, and 24 seconds. Begley, 1 hour, 6 minutes, and 59 seconds. Luca Adams, 1 hour, 7 minutes, 45 seconds. Frederick Niels Rickhoff, 1 hour, 8 minutes, 22 seconds. Taylor McGuire, 1 hour, 8 minutes, 23 seconds. Trevor Pitcher, 1 hour, 11 minutes, 45 seconds. Rebecca Capoza, Raft, 1 hour, 14 minutes, 54 seconds. Alec Atnip, 1 hour, 17 minutes, 23 seconds. Tim Koch, 1 hour, 22 minutes, 51 seconds. And Matthew Koch, 1 hour, 22 minutes and 51 seconds. That story, Fibark Downriver Race competitors hit the high water with enthusiasm, grit. Also in the news, Chafee Shuttle joins Colorado’s statewide zero fare campaign, this posted by Jan Wondra. What else of such value do you know to be free? Let’s start with this. The Chafee Shuttle is a free year-round service designed to increase mobility options for residents and visitors in Chafee County. As part of Colorado's Zero Fare We'll Get You There initiative, the Chafee Shuttle has expanded its services and is encouraging residents and visitors to ride transit to help keep Colorado's air clean during the summer months when air pollution is at its highest. The effort is a collaborative statewide initiative designed to reduce ground-level ozone by increasing the use of transit, and it's free to ride. The Zero Fare Will Get You There Initiative is a great fit for the Chafee Shuttle as it includes grant funding to expand the number of free routes we offer, as well as how frequently we can service our community, said the Chafee Shuttle Board of Directors Chair Kate Garwood. We've already been working to raise awareness on the benefits of using transit within Chafee County, she added, this summer, we can use this opportunity to educate and attract new riders to our services, which are free, 365 days a year. The Chafee Shuttle will join the effort to promote public transit during the months of June, July, and August. The effort is made possible by Colorado Senate Bill 22-180, the program to reduce ozone through increased transit. The grant program has been set up in partnership with the Colorado Energy Office. Expanded services include extended hours for on-demand door-to-door service. There is a new Monday route between Howard and Salida. The bus route between Buena Vista and Salida on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday also has extended hours. Expanded schedule supports commuters. Then, as if free service isn't a draw... Starting July 31st, the Chafee Shuttle will expand service between Buena Vista and Salida to five days a week, Monday through Friday. This will finally make it the ideal service to support commuter travel between the two municipalities. For a full schedule and to view pickup locations, visit chafeeshuttle.com. By joining the statewide 0 fare campaign this summer, the Chafee Shuttle hopes to entice new riders to experience cost savings, stress reduction, a safer ride, and increased productivity while helping get cars off the road and improving Colorado's air quality. Environmental impacts are major. Approximately 85% of the greenhouse gas emissions that come from transportation are due to -to day-to-day commutes. By leaving the car at home, a person can save up to 20 pounds of carbon dioxide emissions every day, depending on the length of the trip. The pilot program that launched in August last year was highly successful. Transit systems from all over the state participated, ranging from those serving the largest cities to regional rural systems, said Colorado Association of Transit Agencies, C-A-S-T-A, Executive Director Ann Rajewski. All the transit agencies that participated increased ridership during the program, ranging anywhere from 2 percent to 59 percent, she added. This year, we are expanding the program for the entire summer and are expecting to increase the number of transit agencies participating. Additional customer benefits of the zero-fare program are substantial. Riders experience environmental, financial, lifestyle, and community benefits of transit that include cost savings. Taking the bus saves on car expenses, including maintenance and parking, which add up quickly. Not only do you save money on gas, but you also reduce the wear and tear on your vehicle. According to a recent study by AAA, a new car's routine maintenance and repairs could cost an average of $0.09 per mile. If you drive 10,000 miles in a year, that totals $900. If you drive 20,000 miles, that figure jumps to $1,800 annually. Gas Savings Riding public transit frees up additional funds in customers' everyday budgets. In addition, public transportation saves the United States an estimated 4.2 billion gallons of gas annually, reducing our dependency on foreign oil. And that's all we have time for. Thank you for joining us for the Arc Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at